Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity, stories of perseverance, stories of accomplishments, and maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez, and I want to hear your story. Welcome to the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. This is episode 141, and I am your host, Dave Dolomite D2 Martinez. And yes, we have got a great episode for you. Um, just a little tease, we got Vanessa Faye Forrester. Um, she is someone that uh, I m- met you know, a decade ago, back when we were newbies doing triathlon, and she is just uh, man, what she's been able to do and switching careers and, 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 you know, becoming a, uh, mental endurance coach, a life coach. She's qualified for the Kona, um, you know, Ironman world championship, the 70.3, the half Ironman world championships. Um, she just did that race back, uh, just this past year. We talked to her about all that. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into, um, kind of a preview of what she, what she's going to uh, discuss with us. Um, but before we get started, I kind of wanted to, you know, do a check-in with all of you. Um, this episode now is releasing uh, here on February 6th, and, you know, we're past a new year, and typically at this time, most people have given up on their resolutions slash goals for the year. And I feel like those of us that are part of this community that listen to this podcast, probably a little bit, you know, doing a little bit better at that. We haven't given up, but it's more of a kind of a check um, with all of you. It's like, how are you doing? You know, how's your training going? How's your goal doing? How's, what systems do you have in place to um, keep yourself accountable to whatever that goal is for this year, whether it's a 5k, you know, or, you know, something bigger, um, whether it's a hundred mile or anything in between, what is your goal? And it doesn't have to actually be a race. It could be anything that you want, but do you have a system in place to kind of keep you accountable, but also kind of keep you moving forward? So I'm sharing, uh, you know, my story, kind of what I'm doing this year. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in the year, you know, in the year and in, in, uh, in a previous uh, you know, episode that I signed up for the Leadville Trail Marathon. So once I got in, I had to come up with a plan and figure out, OK, what am I going to do? I've got to get the training in, but how am I going to get that training? What's going to motivate me? What's going to keep me pushing forward if I don't have a race until June between you know, January and June? How am I going to get motivated to get that training and that distance in? So I mentioned a couple races and I did sign up for them. So I signed up for the Coyote Ugly 30K. That's March 4th. So that'll get me up. That's uh, 18 miles. So that'll allow me to kind of ramp up slowly, not quite to that uh, marathon distance, but it'll kind of keep me going and keep me training until... March 4th to gradually increases, increase my mileage. Um, cause it's very easy to say, well, that race is, you know, six weeks, eight weeks away or whatever. And, um, you just sort of forget to start, keep training for it. So having something on the counter, something that you're looking forward to that, you know, you paid for is going to allow you to, um, be a little bit more focused with the training and make sure that you get out there and get your runs in, but especially those long runs, if you're training for that distance. The other one that I signed up right after that is the Helen Trail Marathon. So that is a true, uh, you know, trail marathon, 26.2 miles uh, up in Helen, Georgia. 
And that's April 22nd. So that gives me um, about six weeks after that 30K to ramp up from 18 miles to at least, you know, 26 miles, you know, um, and be ready for that. So the Helen Trail Marathon does have a 3,000 um, feet of elevation gain, which is the same as um, Leadville, but at a lower uh, altitude. So it'll allow me to kind of feel a little bit of uh, what it would be like um, doing that type of, um, you know, course um, without the elevation gain uh, or at the altitude with the same elevation gain. So that's kind of what I have as far as trail running to kind of keep me motivated. I will probably need something else in May to kind of uh, maintain that uh, fitness and get and keep me going through June. So I'll, uh, I'll see kind of what I can find it in, in May. But at the same time, I'm doing a lot of cross training um, with, um, you know, obviously some strength training, working on strengthening the legs, but uh, also doing some road and gravel. I did get a gravel bike. I found a great deal um, through Facebook Marketplace and uh, got almost a brand new gravel bike at a deal, um, of a price. And so I, um, so I'll be, uh, riding gravel. So one of the things that I initially uh, mentioned was, uh, doing the velocity move for Grady. That is May 6th. So I signed up to do the 100 miles. So currently I am riding on the indoor trainer and working on specific, uh, you know, training plan to build up my FTP, my functional, uh, threshold power. Um, and also doing long rides, um, with the Atlanta winter bike league. I ended up doing about 44 miles, um, just, just a week ago and slowly building up. So, um, by the end of March, uh, 1st of April, I should be ready to ride a hundred miles, um, at the very least 60 miles for sure. Um, and I'm waiting to see when the Tony Serrano ride, um, yes, yeah, century ride opens up. That's usually a first week in April. I think that's the first Saturday in April. Um, and once that opens up, I'll sign up for that. And depending on how I feel, it'll be either the 60 mile or the 100 mile. But even on top of that, like I said, since I got a gravel bike and I had seen this and on my calendar um, uh, or on my radar has always been doing six gap century ride. And I've always kind of shied away from it and found out this year they have a six gap gravel ride, what they're calling the G2. And it is uh, different distances. It's got a 40, a 60, and an 80 mile. I am doing and have signed up and reserved for the 60 miles. And that's on April 30th. And that, um, well, I know I'll be able to do 60 miles um, by the end of April, at least on the road. Um, The challenge here will be the amount of climbing. There is 7,000 feet of elevation gain on that course. And, uh, so it's no joke. It's going to be, uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, uh, a challenging climb, but I do think it's, it, that will help me cross train and get ready for the Leadville trail marathon. Uh, like I said, without putting a lot of, um, you know, pounding on the legs, it will allow me to at least work, uh, my, my body as far as aerobically and anaerobically, um, for that type of, uh, you know, duration and, and prepare myself for endurance type of event. Cause I think a 60 miles with that type of climbing would easily be over six hours, probably closer to seven hours, um, in the saddle. And I think that's just great endurance training overall. So, um, we'll see how that kind of goes. 
Um, speaking of just bike riding and, and, and all that, because like I said, I do love that type of stuff. I have recently, uh, saw, uh, seen a couple of, uh, documentaries. It's a docu-series, a six-part docu-series by Lifetime. Um, and Lifetime, you know, is the, the gyms that you probably have seen or, or maybe are even a member of. And, and, you know, they do put on the Leadville, um, trail marathon and, uh, Leadville 100 and a couple other races, uh, like Unbound and, um, several other ones. Um, and, uh, I think it's, uh, Big Sugar is the other one that they do as far as the gravel, but they, I guess this is something that I just stumbled upon and found out that they have a Grand Prix. And on YouTube, they put together a six-part docu-series that just got released. And the Grand Prix is actually, um, you know, a a race for professional, um, you know, riders. And it consists of basically two disciplines. Um, They have to compete in, uh, I think, five out of the six events. And three of the events are gravel and three are mountain bike events. And Leadville, you know, uh, Mount, you know, uh, 100 uh, mountain bike is one of those. And like I said, uh, Big Sugar and Outbound are a couple of the others. There's a couple of others that they have out there. And, you know, they do a great job is just capturing uh, these athletes. I think they do a great job of representing that type of, um, you know, the bike culture um, and as well as both genders. Um from the episodes that I've seen, they really kind of focus on, you know, the, uh, the lead riders, but both men and women, kind of what they're going through, their tactics, but also kind of like the festival type of atmosphere at these races, which, you know, if it's one of those things that you don't know anything about these type of events or are curious as to what these events are kind of like, um, you know, it's one of those things that I've seen that I'm like, I want to go, I want to be part of that, you know, festival atmosphere. And on my radar is, you know, for the fall is looking at, you know, uh, when these events open up is being part of that. Because even though these are races for professional riders, the everyday folks like you and myself can still uh, ride the same course that these professionals are doing. We're not going to do it in the same amount of time, but, you know, there's not that many events that, you know, as a everyday um, participant can ride the same course on the same day as some of these professional, um, you know, um, bike racers. So that is pretty cool. And like I said, I'll, I'll have, uh, you know, details of that in the show notes and even a link to it, because I think if you're curious as to what this is like and, and, and the type of uh, terrain and, and things that you might be interested in doing, um, I'll, I'll, I'll put that on the show notes. So getting back to um, our guest today um, is Vanessa Faye Forrester. Like I said, she, you know, was a collegiate rower, um, you know, and then later after college, you know, uh, she was a CPA and, you know, and just found that that wasn't really kind of her passion. It's what she got a degree in, but uh, I met her shortly thereafter and when we were doing triathlons together and we rode together and trained together and we were very newbies kind of learning about, you know, the world of triathlon. And she ended up moving out to Denver. She shares the reasons why after, you know, her, you know, um, she had just moved and her dad passed and she just kind of took a little kind of check of her life and kind of what she wanted to do, what she was passionate about. She found that she was passionate about helping others and achieve their goals. And so she became a certified life coach, a mental endurance coach. Um, and sort of kind of flipped the switch in her mind to, you know, to, to say that she was holding herself back, that she was judging herself and saying that maybe she wasn't good enough to, um, be an age group 
um, you know, podium finisher. And until she mentally, you know, kind of did that check and said, am I capable of doing this? Yes, I am. And then taking steps to prepare herself mentally to do that, was she able to kind of unlock the physical part of that to train harder, to train uh, a little bit smarter? And uh, a term that I, I've uh, picked up was micro quitting and uh, keep, a, keep an eye out uh, or an ear out for that because that is something that uh, now is constantly um, you know, a phrase that pops into my mind whenever I'm training and asking myself, am I micro quitting? And uh, so uh, she is, uh, you know, a, an awesome uh, individual. I am so proud to say that I, that I knew her way back when. I think she's, you know, we'll hear more about that. She's got so many other projects that uh, she's working on. We'll get all into that uh, on uh, this next episode right after this break. At Big Peach Running Company, we take pride in listening to your needs. We take into account the shape of your feet, previous injuries and activity level to guide you to comfortable shoes for your feet whether you're a runner walker fitness enthusiast or simply need comfortable shoes to wear we offer the best customer experience in the friendliest environment it's no wonder we've been voted one of the best running stores in america by our fans visit any of our nine big peach running company locations for a free fit assessment and video gate analysis go to bigpeachrunningcompany.com to learn more all right, welcome back, everyone. So I am. Uh, it's. It, I'm excited about this because I, I get to reconnect with someone that I that I uh, met almost a decade ago. Uh, it, you know, um, here in Atlanta, we met through a local triathlon club. We were both, uh, you know, just babes trying to learn. You know, the, the you know triathlon. I was a newbie and just trying to figure out. I could barely swim and hate, still hate to swim. Well, no, that's not true. I, I enjoy swimming, just not competitively. Um, I think any triathlete, you know, unless they were born swimming and, or swimming at an early age, um, most people are, are not fans of swimming. So I'm joined with, uh, by, uh, Vanessa Forster, you know, here who, uh, you know, is doing some incredible things and is now, uh, you know, a more accomplished triathlete and a lot more, uh, experienced than, than we were when we first met. So welcome, uh, Vanessa. Oh, thank you so much, Dave, for having me. It's so true. We were little little babes, little triathlete, triathlete babes learning the ropes. We, yeah, we were. And uh, yeah, and I mean, and, you know, now you, you've, you know, we'll get into a, a bit about, uh, you know, your experience at Kona, but you are, uh, you know, you race at Kona, the world championship. Um, and, you know, so you're at that, you know, 140.6 distance and 70.3. Uh, qualify for both as world you know, for the world championship. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of shows you a little bit of, you know, a decade ago and where you're at now and you're, you know, you're competing at this, you know, at the age group level and you're podium, you know, and that's fantastic. Um, but, you know, when I, when we, uh, when we uh, knew each other, you know, you were a CPA, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, and obviously this time of year here in, you know, January would be a very busy time. This first part of the year with, you know, tax and everything. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, those are conversations we had while training where, you know, it was like a busy time to get any training done. You're working long hours and then uh, you end up moving uh, and d- to Denver. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you quit, you quit your job, which I think it's, you know, for someone to all of a sudden, you know, that's what you go to school for and you quit and you take a different career path is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how that kind of came about and why the change and, and kind of what, uh, you know, took you on that new path on your journey. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you just talked about this time of year being the busy time, I just had flashbacks to those, those days when I would be up riding my bike. Cause I used to commute in Atlanta, ride my bike to the pool. I'd go to um, the natatorium. What's it called? Yes. Um, what's it called? What's uh, the name of that natatorium? There was a, uh, God, there was a, um... There was Adamsville. It'll come to me. Yes, that's it. I think okay. it's pretty. I think it was Adamsville. Adamsville Auditorium. I'd ride my bike over there. I'd be there like first one in the pool. They opened at six, and I'd ride my bike back, go to work. You know, I'd go to work when the sun wasn't even up yet, and then I'd stay at work until the sun went down, and then I'd go to the treadmill downstairs. You know, get in the get in the hours, get in the training in any way that you had to, because you just find a way. You know, when it's when you're working long hours and um and also training for long distance. But yeah, it was it was something becoming a CPA, majoring in accounting. It was something that um, I was really interested in in college because I was good at it. And I was, and it was the idea of learning accounting for me was like learning a new language. And so I really liked it. But then when I got to my full-time job, I just, there was something inside of me that knew that this wasn't it. I can remember distinctly when my Blackberry and my business cards were delivered to my desk, like two weeks in, I had this realization of like, what what is happening? What is this? It was almost like the life had been sucked out of me. And I thought, okay, this is, this is where I am now. <laughs> this is my present, but this is not my future. I like knew I had this knowing that something else is available to me. I hadn't quite figured out what it is, what it was yet. And um, that's kind of a theme for me that I am. I don't always have to know the next step. I just have to know like that I'm willing to take the next step. So I, uh, I stayed actually as a CPA for about a year and a half. And then uh, right before my first Ironman, which did I ran Arizona at the end of 2011, I put in my notice and I left. I went and did my first Ironman, came back, packed up all my things and moved out West. And I just, at that point for me, it was about kind of exploring what, what else there is, like what else might be available? What, what might light my soul on fire? Cause accounting wasn't it. Um, but I do, I will say caveat, little asterisks on the side. I love the fact that I have the background in accounting because we'll move on to this probably in the future part of the podcast, but I'm an entrepreneur and owning my own business and being able to work in spreadsheets. And for many years, I did my own taxes. That's really beneficial. You know, I have a skill that a lot of people don't have. So I don't think of it as a waste of time. I do not regret any of my time. I just think that that was a stage of my life and now I'm in a new stage. So when I moved out West, when I moved to Denver, Colorado, I was studying holistic nutrition for a little bit, thinking that that was kind of the field that I wanted to get into. I was very health conscious and ready to learn more. And right when I moved to Colorado, a week after I moved, my dad actually passed away from a sudden massive heart attack. And it actually came out after his death that what killed him was his nutrition, was his was choices in um, nutrition and activity level, but it really grounded me in this, this thing that I already knew, which was, we don't have that much time. This is like a very short amount of time that we have on this earth. Life is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. So I had already kind of anchored into that moving out West and leaving a, you know, well-paying, career behind, professional career behind, and losing my dad the way that I did really reminded me that I was actually on the right path, finding 
what was what I'm most passionate about and what the purpose and the impact that I want to have on this world. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I think that's pretty courageous for, for anyone to, um, you know, just quit their job without sort of kind of having a plan. Um, so I admire that, um, because I think a lot of us tend to want to be, we want to know what the next step is. We want at that safety net. We want to make sure, you know, well, what's our next move? What, you know, what are things going to look like? You know, so that's pretty courageous mm-hmm. of you to do that. And I, and I, and I, you know, before the, we started the podcast, you know, we talked a little bit about this because, you know, I think I, I had, uh, very similar, you know, uh, you know, kind of thoughts because of a friend of mine that passed away as well. And she, you know, uh, passed because of cancer and, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, but it's one of those things where you, you, you know, you got to live life to the, to its fullest. You got to take those risks mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, most recently, even, and I didn't mention this when we were, we were talking, but you know, you said, you know, your dad was, you know, found out that it was a lot due to nutrition and health issues. And mm-hmm. I've recently have had the same thing with my dad. He had a little bit of a scare at the end of the last year mm-hmm. and, you know, it, you know, trying to, you know, talk to him and try to get him on the right, you know, to exercise a little bit more, to eat well. And, you know, my mom's on board, but, you know, it's difficult because, you know, at the age they're at, sometimes it's, you know, they can be stubborn, you know, they're just kind of set in their ways. So, you know, that's one of those things I'm dealing with. But for me now as well, it's, that's, I'm not going out to compete or do anything, you know, um, as far as any really kind of, my goals are not really athletic type of achievement, more of challenges with a goal of longevity, of increasing mm. my, my lifespan and making sure that if, if, you know, if tomorrow isn't guaranteed, well, then I'm going to try to push tomorrow as far away as I can, make sure it's not due to, you know, poor health or poor diet choices, um, and to live a, a more productive and active life for as long as I possibly can. So it's beautiful. So you're out in, you're out in Denver and, you know, and you know, you, you're studying nutrition, but then even then you're, cause that's not what you're doing now. You ended up kind of switching mm-hmm. careers again. So tell us a little bit how that happened. Cause you know, obviously you, 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 you were still training for triathlons. You're still thinking about that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that was, uh, 2012 into 2013. Um, and I was on a every other year for Ironman track at that point. So I didn't do my next Ironman until 2013. So 2012, I was in this figuring out phase. I was studying nutrition. I was teaching um, indoor cycling and interval training classes. I was also working for Lululemon here in Denver, Colorado, and just like allowing myself to be a young 25 year old in the world, figuring out what she loves. And I will always look back on that time with like such a sense of fondness that I just had this freedom. I gave myself this freedom to explore, to figure things out. And uh, ultimately I decided that the nutrition track wasn't for me, not because, I mean, it's admirable, I love it, but it it didn't fill me up, give that sense of fulfillment. And I when I thought about what I would do with it, it just didn't, it wasn't the right fit. So I stopped that program. I never actually worked in nutrition. I just didn't finish the program. And uh, I really fell in love with teaching and like being in this coaching environment. And that first started in Denver when I was teaching indoor cycling and yoga cycle classes and the interval training classes. And I just went all in on that and really connected with people in a way that I hadn't before. And that's something that I learned in the transition from a desk job to a coaching role is that I, I feel more alive when I'm connecting with people versus behind 
a computer and looking at spreadsheets and tax returns. <laughs> so I wanted to do more of that. And that's actually what I landed on for the next several years of my life. So while I was training for triathlon, I was coaching and then I, I made my next move from Denver to Salt Lake City. And um, in that sort of time frame, I started working for a boutique fitness studio called Orange Theory Fitness, which I'm sure plenty of your listeners are familiar with, mm -hmm. especially if they're in Atlanta. Um, and I worked for Orange Theory Fitness for six and a half years. And I was very much involved in the expansion of Orange Theory in Salt Lake City. I was actually on the operations side mostly, which is interesting because I was in fitness, like getting to be in that world, but I was using my operational background, right? Mm -hmm. Being an accountant, being able to um, work in sales and operations, but I also got to develop teams. So I was a general manager, a studio manager, general manager, and then a regional director of operations. So there were teams below me that I got to help develop and see their progression, which is really what I'm all about. So I did it in a fitness environment and then I did it in a operations environment as a leader. I also did that at Lululemon for a little bit as well. And then I went, I went to the coaching side at Orange Theory as well. So then I got to go back in that fitness environment and really coach people to find more in themselves than they realized was possible. And um, that's kind of that was like the next phase of my professional development, which is definitely supporting what I do now. But I I, I love that time, and I um, I loved working for Orange Theory. I really did. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, hearing that, it reminds me, of, you know, you know, and you, you might be familiar with it, but you know, it's, uh, you know, Simon Sinek had, you know, has done podcasts on mm -hmm. finding your reason why. And I think that's what you did, whether that was intentional or whether you stumble across it, you know, you found your reason, your purpose, and that has kind of, you know, allowed you to succeed, you know, in all these various different, you know, positions. Um, but then also, you know, you've taken everything you've learned now and, and started your own business. You're, you know, like, as you said previously, you're an entrepreneur. You took your accounting, you know, uh, your, you know, skills mm -hmm. and, you know, your organizational skills and, and, and all, and all that. And now you're, you've, you're running your own business. So tell us a little bit now about, okay, you've gone through that. What, what happened afterwards? Uh, catch us up now with, with where you're at now. Um, okay. So we have to go, we're, we'll stay in Salt Lake okay. that time yep. period a little bit because that's really important. Uh, actually, no, it's, it's the move. Well, in Salt Lake City, when I lived in Salt Lake City, I, um, when I was in Denver, I met my now ex-husband. That's part of the story. It's an important part of the story. And we moved to Salt Lake City together. And he was really an integral part of me figuring out what I want to do and how I can blend those worlds. As you said, the operational background, the organization skills with this coaching part. And when we eventually moved to Montana together, and I moved to Montana, still working for Orange Theory originally, that was really when I took the time to think really critically about like, okay, wh what's next for me? Do I want to move up in the Orange Theory world, which would next be an owner, honestly, it would be an owner in Orange Theory. And I came to this realization that I don't want to be an owner in someone else's business. I really want to own something of my own. And I will always, always, always credit Danny for telling me how impact on people is something that I can really create a business around. And it was his idea for me to, to go and actually get a life coaching certification. And I am so appreciative of his kind of forethought about how I could blend my worlds. And that's what I did. So I went to the life coach school while I was still working with Orange Theory. And I was able to use my certification 
to and think about the impact that the tools that I learned can have on the endurance space while also considering my my experience as a group fitness instructor, right? Because my superpower when I used to teach instructor or used to teach classes, be an instructor is that I could see people. I saw people in bigger potential before they even saw it themselves. And I loved that part of being a group fitness instructor. And when I went to get my certification and learn these tools that really help people better their lives on and off the race course, I knew that the only people I could work with were pe my people my people, endurance athletes. And so that's what I did as I finished my certification and I made my own business, created my own business as a life coach for endurance athletes. And I specifically teach tools that I call around mental endurance. And I've been doing that now for going on four years, almost four years. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I, I love, I love how you, uh, especially said that you've, you, you found your superpower. Because I don't know that a lot of people can identify what their strengths are. You were able to identify not only a strength, but call it your superpower, which I think that's awesome mm -hmm. for, for someone to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, you know, for me, one of the things that, you, you know, based on, you know, the endurance you know, type of events that I've done, I've always thought the mental aspect, you know, the, you know, is, 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 more important probably than the physical training. And, Absolutely. and it's one of those things that I'm always fascinated by, you know, people that do these type of events, you know, and I remember when I was training for Ironman, which I did, I did one in 2013. I, and then, um, that was the, the rev three up in Cedar point. And then, mm -hmm. uh, I did Ironman Chattanooga in 2014. And for me, it was the way I trained myself mentally was, you know, obviously, you know, even though triathlon, there's a lot of people on the course, it's really a solo sport. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't get to draft, you don't get to really talk to anyone and you can't run with music. So it was one of those things like, like, okay, how do I train? So I did a lot of my training by myself, mm -hmm. um, as, as a way of preparing myself to kind of endure that, you know, that distance. Um, but I know that there's people out there that, uh, you know, do a hundred milers or, you know, these crazy type of distances. I'm like, there's gotta be more to it than that. More than just training in isolation. There's gotta be something in that you're using some skill sets, some tools, something that allows you to believe in yourself, you know? And right. I think at a certain point, you know, before you even sign up, I think you have to kind of know that you can do it. And then while you're training mm -hmm. and you have those low points getting over that, um, and mm -hmm. I know I've had those as well, um, so that you don't quit and, and then, you know, to get that to that finish line. So tell us a little bit about kind of what, you know, like you said, your people are people, because, you know, I feel like, you know, we're part of that endurance type of community, um, and mm -hmm. how that can apply to our listeners who are maybe, you know, have a goal set and maybe that they're finding it as a challenge and, you know, and endurance for someone is going to be, I think a little bit relative, you know, cause for someone mm -hmm. bumping up from a 5k to a 10k could be an endurance, you know, all the way up to a hundred or more. So I think these type of, uh, you know, um, you know, tips and, and set can apply to really anyone. So tell us a little bit about kind of what you try to talk to your, you know, your people about and to help them overcome and, and, you know, reach these goals. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's not even, it's not really ever about the distance or the event, right? It's not, 
a runner versus a triathlete or a 5k racer versus a long course triathlete the distance the goal is not the most important thing it's the relationship that you have with yourself that really matters and that's what i help people with it's how you engage with the nerves that show up on race morning or the doubt you feel or the comparison that you find yourself in when you're scrolling through Strava or on Instagram, right? It's like, how do those things really impact the athlete that you want to be, the athlete that you know that you can be, but for whatever reason, you've been holding yourself back from. Or if you're like me, which I didn't grow up playing a sport, so I, for so long, always held myself back. Like, I would just say, mm, I just want to do my best. Yep. <laughs> which wasn't the truth. I really wanted to be a higher level competitive athlete. I wanted that for myself, but I was too afraid. I was too afraid to be honest and truthful with myself first so I can actually be honest and truthful with my coach who could help me get there. And when I was really able to kind of break out of that shell and really allow myself to tap into a sense of boldness versus safety, then I could learn more about myself and really engage in my goals in the way that I wanted to. So for me and my work, it's all very personal, very individual. Not every person struggles with the same thing, but the really incredibly beautiful about it is that we all have human brains that do the same patterns, do the same things where like doubt holds a spell back, self-sabotage shows up, we micro quit. And all of it is just because the brains are designed to keep us safe and keep us keep us contained, right, to the status quo, because what's working right now is what's working. But right. is what's working now really in alignment with who you want to be, the athlete you want to be, the goals that you want to achieve? That's the question. That's the really powerful question that every athlete, no matter the distance, can ask themselves. Well, I think that, you know, I think that, yeah, the word there is, is people are comfortable, right? Yeah. You know, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, we have to get, you know, we have to become, uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, I've heard yeah. that saying, you know, before, and we have to sort of kind of step outside of our comfort zone if we were wanting to see some sort of change, some sort of improvement, if we want to reach something that we haven't reached mm -hmm. before. So that's right. So, uh, you know, I like what you're saying. And it's one of those things that I, you know, I, I think about these things for myself. And I've mentioned this on the podcast because, you know, being a host of the podcast is uncomfortable for me. It's something I never. I get it. It's never, uncomfortable for me on my podcast yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, it's really stepping out of my comfort zone because I see myself as an introvert. You know, mm. um, I was always a quiet one. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, shy and never was. You know, I yeah, you know, I was. I tend to blend in the background. So to you know get on a podcast, say okay, now I'm going to talk about something to someone. You know, mm -hmm. is is a bit of a challenge, and at the same time, I'm surprised by it you know, of what mm -hmm. I've been able to do. Um, and this, and, you know, and that's, and this is just, you know, in, in a, a very you. creative, you know, this has nothing mm -hmm. to do with endurance. So I think those things apply to mm. other things. But it does, but it does. That's what I'm saying. It does. With endurance. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. It does do. So, yeah. Cause here's why. So my, my flavor of the get comfortable being uncomfortable is deciding to believe that discomfort is the currency to your dreams. That's how I say it. Discomfort isn't just about the, the physical manifestation of that, right? This isn't physically demanding, right? right. You're, I don't know if you're standing or sitting, I can't tell, but I'm it's not physically demanding, but it's emotional discomfort right. that you're navigating every time that you 
put the microphone on, put the headphones on, right? And that emotional discomfort that you're willing to meet, meet yourself in and decide how you wanna show up, that is endurance. That's what we do in every training session, in every race, we come up against some flavor of emotional discomfort. And that's what you're overcoming right now. Okay, that's, that's yeah, I've never looked at it that way. Um, I know it applies to things outside of the sport of a physical activity. And like I said, I know that, you know, being comfortable, you know, could apply to a personal, you know, um, you know, a relationship, um, mm -hmm. a, you know, career, whatever it is, you know, learning something new, a new skill set, you know, uh, and, you know, it applies to many different things. Um, but I hadn't considered that being uh, endurance. And I guess it is mm -hmm. when you're thinking about, you know, long term, right? If you're doing something and you're being uncomfortable, it's for the long term because you want to make a change in your life in some aspect, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's apply it's it's giving you a skill set that you can apply to your physical endurance, to your running, to your cycling, to your swimming, to your multi-sport, whatever the case may be. Mental and emotional endurance. So we, we talked a little bit uh, about now a podcast. You have a podcast, and it's called Train Your Mind with Vanessa Faye Forrester. So That's right. Tell, and, you know, uh, the, the latest episode on there actually talks about Kona, but tell us first about um, what you're covering on there, what kind of topics you're covering, why would, you know, uh, you know someone want to tune into your podcast? Add it to their queue. Yeah. Leave, yeah, leave, so... leave this podcast to, to, to listen to yours. <laughs> Well, you should definitely do that. So yes, it's called Train Your Mind with Vanessa Faye Forrester. And I really cover, most of the time it's me talking about topics that are kind of pillars of the mental endurance space that I coach on. So within mental endurance, there are four pillars that I that are kind of part of my coaching, which is um, self-awareness, performance thinking, emotional regulation, and self-confidence. So pretty much all of my topics fall within those categories. And I give you, I give any of the listeners, um, ideas and thoughts and skills to put into practice in their training. So I started this podcast, not as a way to, like, I don't have ads on it. It's just me talking into the microphone. It's me just really wanting to help anyone that's listening to be able to expand my impact. Um, and I keep them nice and short because that's how I like my podcasts. So they're usually 20 minutes or shorter, except for the Kona one that was not short, <laughs> but the rest of them, the, the majority of them are shorter so that it can be like really quick, opportunities for people to listen even maybe before a training session or before a race uh, to get to help get them in a more productive mindset. I also sometimes bring people on as interviewees, but that's actually few and far between. That's not like the foundation of my podcast. Sometimes I bring on athletes that I coach or I've had um, Sky Monch, like professional athletes on that uh, to help bring lived experience to what I'm really trying to convey through the podcast. So it is coming back for its 2023 season here in the next few weeks. So uh, any of your listeners can go and listen to, I don't know, I think I have almost 100 episodes they can go listen to uh, before I get started with a new season. Well, I'll make sure that we link that in the in the show notes. I know that one of the, I, I saw a, I saw a video, I think it was something you had done. And, and you did have, I think, one of your uh, athletes on there. And you're talking about uh, the idea of comparing yourself to others as far as, mm -hmm. you know, times or how they perceive themselves by comparing them, how that takes the joy out of the activity. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, because I think that we all fall victim to that. I know I do. I tend to say, oh, no, I'm not worried about race results. But 
when you cross that finish line, you're always, everyone's looking down at the watch. And then when they get home, they're looking up race results. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between wanting to kind of measure your results for yourself and your own progress versus measuring yourself and your worth against other people. And that's where it gets really damaging. So like this compare and despair cycle, we live in a world where we're far too connected to what one's doing, right? We have way too much information in our hands that allows us to have thoughts about how we stack up to other people. So it's really important for us as athletes to create essentially like emotional boundaries to that information. Because if you want, you could get it all. You can get it all online, on Strava, on Instagram. So we have to be very clear with how we wanna engage with that information and not let it interfere with our own source of progress, true progress, which is the effort that we're putting in and how we're showing up and what we believe about ourselves and not make it someone else's problem that we then feel bad about ourselves, right? So, so I think there's a multi-step process, but ultimately it's about choosing how you wanna engage with the information that you're getting right? Whether that's your own stats or someone else's and also being really grounded in who you want to be as an athlete and building your own self-confidence from within so that you're not constantly looking outside of you, which a lot of athletes struggle with. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, I know that for a while there, I was looking at a lot of different people and I, I, I was one of those, uh, and, and not to say this is wrong. If this is, if this is what you want to do, then feel free to do it. But every run posting it on social media, you know, and expecting mm -hmm. feedback or expecting, you know, someone to comment or like, Kudos. right. Yeah. And same thing with Strava, you know, so I've, I've, I don't post every run or every workout that I do. It's the occasional one. Maybe it's at a race where I'm like, yep, had a great race or whatever. And, and that's about it. I'm on Strava, but I don't really follow anyone. And there's a few people that follow me, but I'm not checking those, you know, uh, you know, trying to get, you know, validate my effort or my work because people are just saying, yep, thumbs up or like or whatever. And, mm -hmm. you know, they maybe don't even know exactly the effort or the work that you put in. They're just like, yep, you, you showed up, you know, I'm like, right. and that's how I kind of perceive it. And so now with my training, it, I'm, I'm working more towards, okay, looking at it very sort of, uh, objectively at my own, uh, you know, improvements. So if I'm mm -hmm. trying to build up my FTP on the bike that I'm looking at, okay, well, what's my training plan? What am I at, at beforehand? What am I at, at the end? And in between mm -hmm. there, anyone who sees it on Strava, you know, doesn't know, you know, really how I'm doing. And I'm not judging my success based on how many likes I got, or how many thumbs up or kudos I got. Because it literally doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> in the end, it's going to be me on a, on a course, you know, and what I'm able to mm -hmm. accomplish and, or looking at a number and saying, yeah, yeah I, I, I had X number of Watts when I started this program. And by the time I'm done, you know, six weeks later, eight weeks later, I'm at X number of Watts and, you know, what improvement, you know, and that, that's how I'm judging my success, whether did I put in the work, mm -hmm. did I, you know, you know, do I feel better? You know, uh, do I feel mm -hmm. stronger from it? Um, and the same thing goes with, with my running and anything else that I'm doing. I'm trying to look at that more objectively, but within mm -hmm. putting blinders on basically and just saying, just yeah. me, just focus on me, you know, and what I, yeah. I can accomplish. Yeah. You know? And, you know, understandably that is not always easy for some people because again, we, live in a world with all this information at our fingertips, but it's a process that you like build into, right? That you 
take one thing away or start engaging with Strava less so that you start, you, you give yourself the opportunity to be more focused on yourself, right? You got to start small in order to build to a bigger sense of um, ownership and self-validation. But when I think back to my own journey, like in this, this time frame that we've talked about, we've, we've skipped over a really por- important part. And I want to bring it up now because I think it's important for the story um, of how, why I really decided that this, these tools and this, this mental aspect was a really needed <laughs> skill in our world. It's for my own journey, for my own journey with who I was and how I thought of myself and how I would always, as we're talking about, look and compare myself to people outside of me. So when I was in Atlanta, it wasn't so much because I was a noob. I was like, just trying to figure out how to run and like keep up with the group. But then when I moved to Salt Lake City, especially, and I had that knowing that I wanted to do more and I was around people that were more competitive and were constantly qualifying for Kona, all I did was compare myself and all I kept thinking was I'll never be like them. That's not, I'm not at that level. That's just not who I am. And I, I was just holding myself back and really playing small. And when I made the decision, it was in, for Chattanooga. So we've done the same race. Mm-hmm. I've done Chattanooga, Ironman Chattanooga 2018 and 2019. And before, after September of 2018, so the first time I did it, and that year from 2018 to 2019 was when I like drastically transformed who I am as an athlete. And I made the decision that I was going to win my age group. And I had never been on the podium before. Mm. I'd never had an Ironman podium. And I was in this like cloud of like, I'm not good enough. I don't belong here. I I don't, I'm never going to be one of them. But that was the, that was my decision point. That was it. Like I had to shift how I was thinking about myself and my self-concept and how I was engaging with those athletes and not come from this damaging comparison cycle in order to give myself the opportunity to do my best. And it really came down to exactly how you just described yours was really zoning in on my own progress. Because if I did what my brain wanted me to do, which was like look to past results or at my data or at what other people that are winning their age groups were doing, the only feedback I would get would be, oh, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. They're not yet there yet. But that wasn't going to help my process. That wasn't going to keep me engaged. All that would do would make me feel defeated. So I had to put up those blinders. I had to separate myself and really be focused on my own progression. And it allowed me to really develop a stronger relationship, a a much more trusting relationship with myself. I built self-integrity like I never had before. And I believed in myself in a way that allowed me to create something I'd never done before. I didn't win, (laughs) spoiler alert, but I got second and I qualified for Kona. And I'd never been on a podium before. And if I had more distance, I would have ran her down. She said it afterwards too. We were, <laughs> I was neck and neck. I closed like four minutes in the last 5K. So I was like running her down. And that made me feel like I won on the day because yep. I had shown up to that race with a different belief in myself than I ever had before. And, I, and it wasn't about what other people had done, how other people's training looked. And it wasn't about what I'd done before. It was about me and my own commitment to my goal and my own commitment to my consistency and my progress and the effort I put in day in and day out and really doing myself proud on race day. And that's exactly what I did. So I feel like I won. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say you did. So, I mean, so because that, you, know, you, you kind of said it there a little bit, you know, and, and as far as once you changed that mindset, once you said you were going to focus and you weren't going to limit yourself. 
Mm-hmm. How did that specifically kind of, you know, what did you, you know, once you had that mindset, what happened through your training sessions, you know, that previously were, you know, were holding you back? I mean, was it, you know, I'm only going to do X amount or I'm going to push harder, you know, or I'm only going to limit myself to a certain amount of days. What is it specifically in your training then that obviously had to change because the mindset alone isn't going to get those results. The mindset is sort of like that foundation that says, yes, I can do this. What's the mm-hmm. work that goes into it that then supports that? Yeah, the mindset is what informs the choices, right? And the behavior. So I think it starts with the fact that I was honest with my coach. I said, this is what I want to do, right? Because my coach is enrolled in my goals. If they're enrolled in my goals and they can help me and, and challenge me in a way I hadn't been challenged before, but it's also on me to really show up to those sessions. So what changed dramatically was my openness and honesty about what I wanted so that my coach could help me, but also my sense of presence in my sessions, which I think a lot of athletes will, will uh, understand. Like oftentimes it's just like the thing we're checking a box, like just getting it done. We're in the checking the box Olympics and our minds are like on the grocery store list or on what we're making for dinner. And what that does is completely take away like what we're meant to get out of that session. The adaptation doesn't come. So I was much more present. I also uh, didn't micro quit as much. So micro quitting, if you want to listen to one podcast episode of mine, definitely find, I think it's number 24 micro quitting. It's one of my most popular, but I was a resident micro quitter where I would, you know, add a little bit of rest here at the, on the pool intervals or take down my Watts on some interval rides or walk a little bit longer at track, just, the, just enough where I wasn't really being pushed the way I was meant to be. But it's even less about how it changes the physical training and more about the doubt that it ensues on race morning when you know you haven't done everything that you were supposed to do, that you were meant to do. And all of that adds up. And that doubt can really hold you back to being able to race to your potential on the day. So it was a combination of those things, plus more, but that's what's coming to mind to start. Okay. Well, I mean, that... that brings back memories because I know there's plenty of times in the pool where I micro quit, where you just Mm -hmm. want a little bit of extra rest, right? Where it just got really hard and you're like, oh, I can't push that hard. I I just need a breather. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me a couple more seconds. You know, let me hang out here at the wall, you know, or, and we weren't supposed to hang at the wall. We were supposed to make the the turns quickly, but you hung at the wall, took a couple extra breaths. Mm -hmm. So I, I get that now. I understand now what you mean by that micro quitting. Um, I think we all tend to do that. Um, I know I've done a lot of training sessions, especially on the run, where, you know, when it gets really hard, especially in, in the heat, where you're like, ah, oh, it's okay to walk here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, and it's worth saying, for anyone listening, there's a difference between having the self-awareness to know when you're micro-quitting and the body awareness to know when you might actually need, like if your heart rate is through the roof, right? you know, yeah. and you need to bring it down safely, or you're have a little niggle that you're watching and you need to cut it short because you don't want to injure yourself. That's different. Right. Yeah. That's a very big difference. Talking about the self-awareness where you're just like those little tiny sneaky quits, right? They're very, very sneaky because it's not a big quit. You're not like, I'm just going to skip this session. You're like, no, I'm going to do the session, but I'm going to adjust it. So I stay comfortable. Right. Just stay that, that sense of comfort. And I can just like cut the edges a little bit. It's sneaky and it really like rottens your, goal achievement from the inside out. That's what happens. 
Well, know that from now on, whenever I'm training, whenever I'm on a, on a long run or I, have, I encounter any difficulty, I'm going mm-hmm. to ask myself, am I micro-quitting? Micro-quitting. Great question. You know, I think just asking that question allows you then to then be honest with yourself. You know, am mm-hmm. I quitting because I'm in, in serious pain, like you said, because it's a niggle or something like that that could lead to potential injury? Or, is, mm-hmm. or am I quitting because I'm just feeling a little of discomfort and feeling that uncomfortable where I'm like, eh. and then I think if you can be honest, then, you know, I think that ends up, you know, allowing you then to uh, decide for yourself and, and kind of what that outcome would be. So I'll, I'm going to keep exactly. that. I think that's a great tip in understanding micro Put that in your back pocket. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm going to keep that uh, very close, uh, uh, very close by. Uh, I think that's awesome. I, 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 yeah, I'm going to use that. I've got some uh, some interesting goals this year uh, that I've signed up for. That. Uh, Ooh, what's your most? What's your favorite of the goals? Tell me. So I've got, I'm trying to lay out a, a few out and obviously, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I want to get back to, to uh, yeah, I want to, yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is that I've been honest on the podcast, I've mentioned some of it and, and talked about it. So it's not like you're c- catching me off guard or anything like that. So, um, I want to get back to, to cycling a hundred miles. You know, I want to do a couple mm. of those. Uh, one that has always been on the radar is six gap century. I've never done it. Mm. You know, it's a love, 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 love. I think I did it. I definitely did three gap. Wait, which did I do the organized one? I'll have to look back. I love the gaps. I miss the gaps. Yeah. So that's one that's on the, on the radar. And I, and I, and I want to do the whole thing. I want to do all six gaps, three gaps. I think I could definitely Mm do. I want to push myself to six. So I'm working on the bike and trying to get that. And that's for like the back half of the year. Um, and the other one that I, uh, that I just this past week signed up for, um, and I've got a couple of races that I'm, I'm putting together to kind of support it is I'm going to do the Leadville trail marathon. Ooh. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've been to Leadville. I went out there a few years ago, uh, to crew for someone and sort of kind of fell in love with the terrain. And I was able to, um, you know, run a good portion on my own up, uh, to Mount Albert. So I went from twin, uh, mm-hmm. twin lakes all the way up to Mount Albert. I ran out of time, so I didn't make it all the way to the top. I didn't summit, but I got it right above, uh, 13,000 feet. And I felt okay. And you were okay. I felt okay <laughs> until about 12, you know, right. Once I got above tree line, I started feeling a little like lightheaded and like, all right, let me stop. Let me just catch my breath. And then after that, it, you know, I was able to continue, um, nice. not running, it became very steep. So it became more of a, of a hike. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. based on that, I was like, okay, I want to do 26.2 out there. I want to, I want to, I, I know I could do the distance. Do so I signed up for it. I, I put it on my calendar. I was like, when does the race register open up? It's like, okay. And I was there, I was like, click and refresh, refresh, refresh. I'm like, I'm not, I've said it enough times. I'm going to do it. And I signed up for it. And so now I've got a 30 K that I signed up for in March. And then uh, another trail marathon in April up in Helen, Georgia, that is going to be uh, about 3,000 feet of elevation gain. So I won't, ha- I won't be at that altitude, but I'll experience what it is to climb 3,000 feet of elevation gain to kind of prepare me for that. And then I'm just going to do a lot of long miles and use the yes. bike to kind of help, you know, cross train and support and, and uh, mm-hmm. build up my uh, aerobic endurance. So that's, I love it. that's it, my Dave. goal. Yep. Do it. 
Yeah. Okay. Can I can I offer you a little exercise? Yeah. While we're here, absolutely. For anyone listening that's setting goals for this year, if Leadville, whatever your A race is, so let's work with Leadville. When you think about this experience, I want you to specifically think about crossing that finish line and how it will feel to cross that finish line, like how you'll feel after running 26.2 miles, climbing over 3,000 feet from 10,000 at elevation up to almost 14. Like that is a gnarly race. Yep. Maybe one of the hardest things you've ever done. Maybe. I would say, I, yeah, I've done 50 Ks, but I would say at elevation, this would probably be, and it's, yeah. it's known to be one of the toughest, if not the toughest right. marathon yeah. in the world. Okay. So you will have finished one of the toughest marathons in the world. How will you feel? What emotion will you feel? I think that I think there'll be a sense of accomplishment and pride for sure. Mm, love, I love pride's one of my favorite emotions ever. Okay, so accomplishment and pride. I want to challenge you in the next however many months you have. When is it? June. June. July? Yep. June. Okay, they got to make sure with the snow <laughs> uh, between now and June to find every opportunity that you can to feel pride and accomplishment in your training. Because here's why. When we set big goals and go after really bold, amazing things like running a marathon in Leadville, oftentimes what we do is we think we have to wait until the finish line to feel that way. We're like, oh, let me go accomplish the thing so I can feel accomplished. Right. And what I want you to see is that you get to feel that way now. And the more that you do feel pride and accomplishment in your process towards accomplishing the race, the more that you'll be like embodied in that on the day the more you'll be present to the entire experience, not just the finish line. And that's what this is all yeah. about. Like that's the, that's how you engage with yourself differently and use endurance sports to like help you, especially with your goal of like longevity and sustainability over time. That's the good stuff. It's not just about the finish line. It's all the miles in between. I, I, you know, I, I'm glad you said that because I've never thought about that because I do think, you know, we do tend to reserve those, that feeling of accomplishment and pride for the finish line. And I think if we have that along mm -hmm. the way, that just fuels and gives you more confidence right. to reach that goal, to reach that finish line. And I've never mm -hmm. thought about it that way. And I guess never given myself permission to really feel that way because to a certain extent, I think we're, we're kind of, whether it's something we've seen or, or it's self-imposed, we feel that we don't deserve to feel that way until we achieve the goal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cultural narrative too. Yeah, and we have to give ourselves permission to achieve to feel that way ahead of time because that's the way that we achieve it. Like that's the way that it will change the experience of it when it happens. You will feel so much more joy, so much more presence on the day when you will give yourself permission to feel the pride and accomplishment ahead of time. So that's my challenge for you. Okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm not backing down, uh, and 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 I will check back with you once I've done it Please. and completed. I will I will uh, reach out to you and let you know how how it went. Um, yes. So we've we mentioned Kona. You know, you got to mm -hmm. you know. I listened to the whole. You know, I, I can't remember. It was like an hour and a Good half, bro. and it was it was it was great. So give us a condensed version because it, oh. and this is one of those things where I think it's, you know, everyone thinks, oh, well, you know, Vanessa's talking about mental endurance and, and all this, and she's accomplished such great things, but, 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 but yeah, yeah. It, but even when you have all the tools, 
it is still, I mean, you still need the tools, right? And so this was my first, my first um, race in Kona at the World Championships, the Ironman World Championships. This is what the one I qualified for back in 2019. So it was a long time coming. I had been training for a long time to make it here. Um, and I think actually there's a little bit of context that I want to give ahead of time. And I hope that's okay. Yeah. Because even, I, I think I might do a, another like second revelation of the Kona recap because I think it's worthwhile. And I'm, you know, for me, part of my journey and part of what's important to me is to is to share story and the different layers of my story. And I believe that vulnerability is really important and really sets us free to to connect with ourselves more. And my race in Kona was a difficult race, <laughs> one of my longest Ironmans to date, and I've done eight or 10. And on the day, if you like look at the tracker or look at the results page, what you'll see is that I had a uh, actually my goal swim time, very solid swim. I was on feet the whole time. Um, a bike that looks as if it was okay, not a super, super long time. Um, but in the space while I was on the bike, I had some very bad, very bad GI issues. Very bad, very bad nausea. Um, I ended up not being able to eat for the final 40 to 50 miles. I was flying high, feeling so good for the first half. And then on the turnaround at Javi, I had some very bad uh, nausea and pain. And then I ended up spending 90 minutes in T2. <laughs> I sat myself down <laughs> for 90 minutes and worked with some incredible volunteers. And when I rolled into T2, there was never a thought of my in my mind about not being able to finish the race. Like it was always about, I knew I couldn't run then, I knew I couldn't run but I wanted to give myself the best opportunity to, to get to the finish line. If they had medically pulled me, I would have been done. I wasn't going to fight anyone if it's made sense, but all of my vitals were okay. So I just needed time and I took the time. And I think after the fact, what I came to realize was, yeah, I made some poor nutrition choices in the week leading. I like, I ate things I don't normally eat, namely a lot of grapes with a lot of fiber and other choices throughout, the, which is something that like you hear that that's like a newbie number one. Don't do new things on yeah. race day or race week, right? And I did. And what I know now with additional reflection is there was a lot of stress that I was going through at that time, a lot of stress in my system. And as athletes, stress is stress. You know, like your body doesn't know the difference between physical stress and emotional stress. And what ended up happening was it kind of manifested in me being not as present and not as aware of the choices I was making that led to how I felt on race day. And I don't regret any of that. I think that I had the experience that I was meant to have because yeah, it would have been cool to go to Kona and have the race of my dreams. Cause I was so fit, Dave. I was in the best shape of my life. My training had gone so well. I missed nothing in the build. I was so on point and yeah, it would have been nice to experience that. But for me as a coach that teaches people how to overcome hard times and 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 be in a relationship with themselves even when things don't go well that was my opportunity like that's what i that's what i was meant to have on the day was this race that changed me to not give up on myself when everything seemed like i should give up on myself but i i made the decision early on when my nausea hit and i couldn't eat i was like okay this is what's happening now this is my new reality what do i do next how do i line up to this moment to moment to moment. That's it. And eventually 
I didn't have nausea anymore. I could get some calories in. I could stand up without getting dizzy. And I thought, this feels like the time I could leave T2. Let's go. And I ran for as long as I could run. And then when the nausea hit again and I had to walk, it was a long walk back from the energy lab. <laughs> I will never forget those long, dark miles because if you've never been to Kona, they do not have street lamps on the Queen yeah. K between energy lab and uh, Polani. There are no, it's just dark, it's desolate. And I will never forget that. And I'm so glad that I have that experience imprinted in my mind because it fuels me. And every single run I do, I think about that stretch. And I think about how when I get back there, I will be running that stretch and I'll be running strong. And I'll, I'm using this experience, this memory as fuel. So yeah, it would have been cool to blow it out of the water, but that wasn't my story. This was the Kona experience I was meant to have. And it was a, it was just part of my story at that time in my life. And I'm proud of it. I'm really, really proud. I'm unsatisfied, but I'm proud. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of the things I, I love about you is just the positivity of you find, you know, something to kind of grab onto and be positive about and just find, you know, a, a, learn a lesson, do something, but you're negative, never negative about your experiences, everything you've, you've spoken today has been all about positivity and looking for, you know, uh, there's a reason for everything you've gone through and you're f looking for that, uh, you know, positive, you know, kind of spin or positive, you know, message, you know, to kind of keep you going. And I think that's a great message because I, I do think that a lot of us do tend to kind of, you know, we have a bad race experience and we tend to be, you know, you know, kind of beat ourselves yeah, up yeah yeah we beat it. ourselves up for it we and we feel like we're not worthy we're not good enough and you know maybe even yeah you know quit or, and um i think you know you know these things happen and i think we have to kind of you know be you know give ourselves permission it's like yeah it's okay you know you experience and you know mourn a loss or mourn a bad yeah. experience but you learn from it and and you you know figure out you know yeah. what what went wrong and 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 then you move forward yeah, can I speak to that really quick? Because yeah. I think it's an, I actually think about it more about having an effective mindset than a positive mindset. I appreciate you saying that what you see in me is positivity. I really appreciate that. But it's actually not my goal to be positive all the time. It's my goal to think about, okay, what's the most effective way for me to think about this that helps me move forward? And that makes space for exactly what you just said, which is the, like neg I don't use the binary positive negative very often, but like the negative emotions, those tough emotions like mourning or grief or sadness or disappointment or anything that comes up from a race that doesn't go as expected, right? Like I was disappointed. I was bummed yeah. because I was so fit. I, I knew I had, and co like I felt like on the day that course was made for me and I was so confident in that. And so, yeah, there was a part of me that grieved not having the Kona that I thought I was going to have. It wasn't all instant learning. I went through that part, but effect to be effective was like, okay, here's what I learned. And here's what I want to take moving forward. Because if I stay in this, this spiral, that's like circling the drain, I don't get to take anything from that. So I think it's important to make space for the human side of us that feels all of the things like disappointment and sadness, and also help us find the, what's going to, keep us going, the motivation, the inspiration, the sense of pride that I know I will feel in the future.
Well, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad you explained that because I. I mean, it's, like I said, you you have this unique way of looking at things, and just looking at things a little bit differently, and that makes your explanation makes a lot more sense. You know, because I can understand that you you know positive and negative, and there's a lot of gray in between. Mm-hmm. So talking about you know the you know being effective, uh, the effectiveness of it is a different way of looking at it. So uh, thank you for explaining right. that. Um, yeah. So. You know, one of the other things, I mean, speaking of Kona, one of the things that you did before you went to Kona, and I thought this is once once again, the way you kind of tend to look at things, you came up with something called with is greater than against. And it's a mm-hmm. different way of looking at your competition. So tell us a little bit more about that. Because like I said, it, once again, it goes to the way you think and the way you you know process things that I just think it's just unique and different that I, you know, I think it should you know, be shared with others. Yeah, thank you. So the With is Greater Than Against movement or campaign was something that I developed with my friend and colleague, Lauren Valley, who's also a coach in the endurance space. Um, in t- coming back to what we were speaking about earlier about comparison, right? Our goal with this movement was to create a opportunity to change the narrative about how we race in the women's field. Because very often, if we are supporting each other, it feels as if we have to like kubaya <laughs> across the finish line, or we have to be like resentful or fearful of what other people can create. And oftentimes this, again, there's this, this narrative around if we are, that I almost like to use this, this uh, visual, right? That there's like a pie and we only get this slice of the pie and you only are allowed to have this tiny slice. And the way that I think about it and the way I wanna encourage other people to think about it is like, there are just ample pies, okay? So we can support each other while still really striving for our best. And that's what with is greater than against is. We, we achieve our best when we race with each other, not against each other. So Lauren and I say, we know that there's only one person that's gonna finish first. There's only one person that will cross the finish line first, but we'll be damned if we don't push each other along the way, right? We don't say, you need to keep going because I'm coming after you. And we used Kona because Kona, you know, is is a, generally the race where most people qualify for, right? It's the pointy end of the field. Oftentimes it's some of the most competitive people that feel like they have to maybe put other people down in order to lift themselves up. And we just wanted to say, no, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Let's show them a different way. Lauren is a more talented swimmer than I am. We're pretty equal on the bike. And then I am a stronger runner than her. So it was like the perfect opportunity for us to really embody what we're talking about, knowing that she'd be out of the water ahead of me. And I would be trying to close the gap as much as possible on the bike and then come at her on the run. It's not exactly how it happened, right? Because of my (laughs) own Kona experience. But when I saw her, when we passed each other going opposite directions on the Queen K, there was nothing but support and really truly honoring each other's races, even if they didn't go the way that we thought. It's not about like, let's hold hands across the finish line and like, if you win, I win. It's like, no, there's only one person that's going to win, but I'm going to push her because I'm going to show up at my best and my most competitive. And I want that for her too. That's what it's about. Yeah. I like the way you said that it's, it's, you know, because I know that there's times where, you know, someone shows up at the start line and they may see someone and say, well, they're faster than I am. So they Mm -hmm. sort of kind of already give up 
before the yeah, guns already gone right. off, right? So at, at you know, and so the campaign that you're saying is is you know that you know, I think is it's like competition is good because it brings the best yeah. out of all of us as far as at that athletic right. performance. So just because someone out there you think might be faster doesn't mean you shouldn't go out there and give them your all. You know, that's right. Let they, them push you. Yeah, they can Let have a bad day. You. Yeah, they can have a bad day. So why give them the race? You know, mm -hmm. and why not push yourself because you may have a breakthrough on that day, regardless of whatever placement you come in. You may learn something new mm -hmm. about yourself. So I like the way that you've kind of framed that. And like I said, it's you know, I, I'm I'm so like pumped and and so proud of you know of where you know how far you've come and 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 grown so much. I I feel like I'm learning so much from you. Um, mm -hmm. You've done so much in you know this decade since we first started out. And I also want to make sure that I, I mentioned because once again, you're an individual that you see something you know, and you want to do something about it. You want to, you know, everything you're doing, you're trying to change people's lives. You're trying to change the world. And one of the things that you, um, you started this movement in, you know, 2020 was a diversified triathlon movement. So tell us mm -hmm. a, a bit uh, about that and where that's at right now. Um, and after that, you know, you know, we'll, we'll close it out, but I think I want to, I, I, I think it's an important message and I think it's something that, especially in the triathlon community, because I know we've seen it, I've been a part of it is that there isn't mm -hmm. enough diversity in triathlon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, you know, as a woman of color in the triathlon space and being in a very white dominated space, it was important to me, especially in 2020. So I created DTM diversified triathlon movement in June of 2020 at the height of what's really just a spotlight on racial injustice. It was always happening, but it was just a spotlight right at the height of George Floyd's murder. And for me, it was really important to become the leader that I was waiting for and to help diversify our space. And so, and it's like baby stages when I first created it, it was about breaking down at least one of the barriers to sport for people of color. And for me, that was the support and also part of the, mon the monetary piece. I paired coaches and athletes to bring new triathletes into the space. So they were already existing athletes, but they hadn't been in triathlon yet. And I paired them with coaches. They could have the support uh, to learn what triathlon is like and get free coaching for a three month period. And then along the way, we also got sponsorships, uh, gave them kits and sponsored their first race. And it was a really powerful way to get the conversation going about what can we do for this sport that we love. And for me, um, you know, DTM and With Is Greater Than Against, both of these movements represent me creating something that reflects the triathlon landscape that I want to be a part of. It's really important for me to leave the sport better than I found it. And that's really what it's about. And I'm really proud of both of them. DTM now has shifted entirely. And I'm very, very excited about the fact that we were able to partner with an organization called DISC. So DISC is is short for diversity infusion syndicate and it was started by an incredible triathlete khadija diggs who um, is also a woman of color in the space and it's her motto to change the world one race at a time and what she does is what i also always wanted dtm to be to have more of an impact on a smaller scale dtm in the beginning was about numbers we had like 70 athletes <laughs> in the first round of dtm and what disc does is they help a smaller 
contingency of athletes. So it's like four to six people that the support goes a longer way because they stay longer in the sport. And so I made the decision last year to kind of merge our support, the DTM into DISC. And so now all the resources that went into DTM have now shifted into DISC and helped Khadija's mission to change the world one race at a time. So I'm really proud of that as well. I mean, like I said, I, I'm just in awe of everything that you're that you're doing, have done. I, I just, you know, you've got so much energy, and really, I am, <laughs> I'm so proud to, you know, of the work that you're doing, uh, and the fact that I'm like, I know you, <laughs> like we, we <laughs> we're newbies in triathlon, you know. I was like, this is so cool. We used to run around Piedmont Park together. <laughs> we used to bike on a Silver Comet, you know, together. You know, that's right. Um, so yeah, awesome. Back that in the good old days, and I really I appreciate so much you and everyone else that was part of uh, ATC in my early stages that really brought me into this world and showed me the ropes and were willing to help guide me into learning what it was like to be a triathlete and to learn along the way. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to all the connections that I made early in my career that really set the stage for where I am now and um, the impact that I'm able to make. So I thank you for that. Oh, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure just, you know, talk to you and knowing you. And I, and I think we're going to hear a lot more about uh, you and the work that you're doing. And I look forward to, following you and, uh, you know, at Kona again, whenever that happens, um, this year, this year, see you there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for uh, taking time of your day and, uh, so happy to, to reconnect and, uh, and, and learn so much of what you're doing. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it. All right. We'll be back right after this break. Big Pete's now sells bikes at our Brookhaven and Midtown locations. Big Pete's Ride and Run. We help get you into the right bike that fits you and your needs. Many of us enjoy being on two wheels as much as our own two feet. It's not only a great way to stay active and fit, it's also a great way to recover from long runs and have fun. We carry kids, commuter, mountain, gravel, road bikes, and more. No matter what you prefer, with brands like Giant, Live, a division of Giant that makes bikes exclusively for women, and Momentum, we've got whatever bike you're looking for. Stop by and check out the selection of bikes at Town Brookhaven or Midtown, right on Peachtree Street, or view our inventory online at BigPeachRideAndRun.com. And welcome back. And I got to say that is, that was one of my favorite episodes uh, to record. It was so great catching up with Vanessa. Um, and it's amazing to see the transformation that she has uh, kind of done and, and what she's been able to accomplish. And I do think she's going to do so much more. I, I, I'm amazed at the amount of energy and the, uh, uh, you know, the work that she's kind of doing and, um, how she's really trying to make a difference in a variety of ways and changing, you know, the sport of triathlon and just improving, uh, you know, individuals mindset. And really it's, you know, you know, we are our own worst enemy. And as far as mentally, as far as what we're doing to ourselves and how we kind of judge or limit ourselves in what we can do. And it's something that uh, is refreshing to hear um, Vanessa talk about it and remind us all that, you know, 
um, you know, we are our own worst enemy, that we are the ones that can also be our best advocate and our best cheerleader if we think a little bit more uh, positively and more goal-oriented and believe in ourselves that we are capable of accomplishing things that, you know, we, you know, maybe didn't think were possible. And that has really inspired me to, you know, do some of the things that, like I said, I've wanted to do this year and of taking that kind of yes, I can attitude and uh, seek um, some some new experiences and new challenges this year that I probably wouldn't have done, um, you know, uh, in, you know, in previous years. And uh, so I, I hope you guys got a lot out of that conversation because I'm 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 really excited and 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 proud to to to. Uh, to have shared this episode uh, with you and that conversation because I think she's just really inspiring and um, I'll have the show notes and uh, if you want to get uh, in, in touch with Vanessa, you can do so. She has a podcast called Train Your Mind with Vanessa Faye Forrester. I'm going to subscribe to it and listen to it because I know that I can gain a lot of information um, from you know, the, the experience that she has um, and hopefully improve some of, you know, m- you know, my experience and some of my physical abilities that I probably have untapped, um, because, uh, because I just haven't thought in a, in a, you know, myself of being a, to, able to achieve some of these things. Um, so, um, you know, moving on, one of the things that I do want to kind of, uh, you know, you know, kind of update you guys because I always keep an eye out for for new technology and things that I think are going to be helpful. Uh, kind of inform our listeners of new technology or things that are kind of going on in in our world of running. And you know, we're very kind of sometimes I think gear oriented. Um, but yeah, you know, I just saw that Garmin just announced that they have uh, added ECG or electrocardiogram uh, app to their um, Garmin Connect devices, and right now. Um, it is available only on the Venue 2 Plus. Now, that is based on hardware because Venue 2 Plus actually has the hardware associated to it to where you can do electrocardiogram. Garmin is probably one of the last um, you know, manufacturers in this space to actually add that. So that's welcome. I know Apple and some other um, you know, other like Samsung, I think Fitbit, are able to do that. And what that does is it allows you to give yourself an electrocardiogram and, you know, look for irregularities, things that maybe, you know, are heart related, heart, you know, could potentially, um, foresee some issues and, you know, allow you to then export that out as a PDF, take it to your doctor. So you can then, you know, maybe schedule an appointment with a cardiologist. So the ability to, um, do preventative care, I think is, is very welcome. And I think something that maybe we should all be, you know, looking into. Um, and hopefully those are things, you know, that we'll see in future uh, product releases. Like I said, the menu two plus right now is the only one that physically, um, has the ability to do that. So I'm hoping that in future updates of a lot of these, especially the forerunner series, which many of us, you know, you know, have, whether it's a 245, 255, or one of the triathlon watches, or myself, I use the Garmin Instinct, um, that those are some features that they're going to add to those watches, because I do think those are, are very important. And then another one that uh, just got released, um, and this is right now available only on one watch, it's the Vivo Move um, from Garmin again. 
um, is that they're offering um, wireless charging. It's the first model that they're offering wireless charging. And you're probably saying, well, why is that important? Why is that such a big deal? Well, I think it's a big deal because in my particular case, the charging cable on my watch, which is similar to any of the other recent garments, has this plug type of, um, you know, um, that you plug into the back of the watch and you hook it up to your USB or, you know, um, you know power supply and you charge a watch. And it seems simple enough. However, I've gone, I think I'm on my third charging cable because they tend to go bad. There's always a little bit of a, something goes loose or something around the plastic around that plug gets worn out and it doesn't hold uh, onto the watch. So you kind of have to either kind of manually hold it, hold the watch and the cable and kind of pressure it to kind of get it to connect. Uh, and that's not realistic when it takes several hours to get it from zero to, you know, or from, you know, 10% even up to, you know, 100%. So having it, the ability to do a wireless charge in the same type of um, technology used on your, to charge your phone wirelessly and some other devices wirelessly is now coming to uh, the Garmin watches. So I, I do hope that we start seeing uh, a bit more of those um, newer products from Garmin come not only with the uh, ECG and, and be able to do electrocardiograms, but also to do the uh, wireless charging. Now, there is, I think it still has the capability of using a wired, you know, plug-in type charging, so you do have that option. But for me, I would rather just go wireless um, and not have to worry about a plug and having to replace a plug every couple of years. Um, and like I said, like, I'm on my third one, and, and those cables are tend, tend to be kind of expensive at, I think, $25 a cable. So at this point, I've spent $75 on just a charging cable over the last you know year and a half, two years. So um, hopefully we'll start seeing those products as something I look forward to. And uh, I said, I keep an eye out on some of these, you know, technical uh, and, uh, you know, electronics and things that I think are going to be relevant to you. I know I'm a little bit of a geek, so I'll keep it very simple. Um, so hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, you know, episode 142 um, coming up next. I've got a guest lined up that I'll be recording and uh, speaking to here in the next few days. So until next time, keep running, keep riding, and keep believing in yourself. See y'all. Do you have a story or know someone with a story that can inspire, motivate, or even empower others? Email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. I want to share your story. Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with others.